to stand on a chair when I hear it. This song is the definition of fun and joy and everything that you need right now. I remember looking over at you guys thinking like, are you hearing this? This song is crazy. It's amazing. I think I should join the circus. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking all about The Greatest Showman. We just watched this movie again. <laughs> I was I was thinking of doing that and didn't know if you were going to do that, so I'm happy that you did that. <laughs> um, I also, like, can we talk about the greatest app discovery of all time, which is Scener? Scener, if you want to sponsor us, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will go do for the it. Con. We're doing the free SpawnCon right now. Scener is a Google Chrome extension that we both downloaded, and we used it to watch The Greatest Showman together. And... The fun part is that it synced our movies up for us and we could see each other in like our tiny little webcam screens. And so when we were dancing along to the music, it felt like we were there together. I think the interesting thing about this platform versus other ones like Netflix Watch Party or Teleparty or whatever it's called is that this one is supposed to be a theatrical experience. So when you click host a room, you're actually hosting like a movie theater in quotes, which I guess is like kind of what you were saying of, yeah, we can watch each other on a little screen. It's it, it's a communal event. It was felt like so we were really funny. together versus when we're just <laughs> chatting to each other, you know? It was yeah. Funny. So in preparation for watching The Greatest Showman, we also put on Passion, which was great. You can watch YouTube on this, which is a game changer, honestly, because we send each other YouTube videos 24 hours a day so Mm -hmm. to watch these videos together it was so funny we laughed we cried we danced it was awesome it it really brought me so much joy like 10 months into the pandemic we're gonna have a senior party every week yes um (laughs) so the greatest showman is now on disney plus which i think we were both like why is this on disney plus but i swear it was on crave a month ago it might have been but it was part of the disney buying fox oh right 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 So that's how it ended up. I watched The Greatest Showman, like, the last 10 minutes of it around Christmas time because it was on, it was playing on ABC. And then all of a sudden, a little box came up at the bottom being like, want to watch this movie again? Watch it on Disney+. And I'd never seen an advertisement like that before. So Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. But this is a movie that, if you have not seen it, you can watch it on Disney+. And... We both saw this for the first time in 2017, and I feel like this movie has had quite a life since it first came out all those years ago. So we saw it in theaters together. We were very excited to see The Greatest Showman. Um, It's based on P.T. Barnum, quite loosely, very loosely based on P.T. Barnum, and it's kind of how he created the circus, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know very much about P.T. Barnum's life in general. And I don't think that we know very much about P.T. Barnum's life after this movie. I I think you're 100% correct. I did Wikipedia (laughs) P.T. Barnum and I was just reading about it. And I was like, I guess this is kind of what was in the movie. But the movie is a quite sanitized version of P.T. Barnum. It is very squeaky clean. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting. It's a very interesting choice that they made for this. 
Yeah, so I think originally when we heard that this movie was coming out, we were excited because it's a movie musical and there hadn't been... I'm trying to think of the last one that I had seen before Greatest Showman. Uh, La La Land? Was that the year before? Yeah, it was the year before. Yeah, so, but I would argue that this feels more musical. This does feel more theatrical than something yeah. like a La La Land felt, for sure. Um, like yeah. a completely original movie musical that was huge and over the top with theater performers, with huge choreographed dance numbers. Um, very exciting. It's, and I think one of the most exciting things was that it, it had all original music and original storyline. Yeah. So. so what were your thoughts the first time that you saw this movie? I had, I love this movie. I had a blast at this movie. And yet I also recognize and realize and would say it is bad. <laughs> you know, I, and that does not mean I, again, I love it. It is so much fun. I've seen it so many times. It's a great movie to watch on a plane. I've watched it on a plane many times and kind of fast forward to the musical numbers. It is a blast, a blast. But overall, I kind of think it's bad. See, I love this movie. <laughs> And I don't think it was until this most recent watch that I realized how not problematic. I guess it's a little problematic. It is. But as you had said the other day, this movie is boring scenes and incredible music videos. And I 100% agree. And when the music hits and these big choreographed dances and everything happen... It's so good, and it's so exciting, and that's what you want more of. It feels so grand. It feels, like, larger than life. It is, they really, the energy in the musical numbers, fantastic. And then it really just falls so flat when the musical number is not happening. So when this movie came out in 2017, it was definitely not a critic's pick. The critics did not like this movie at all, but it had some of the best, biggest box office numbers that for a movie musical in a very long time. So The Greatest Showman was in theaters for 219 days straight. That's crazy. That's a lot of time. It like grew. Like it didn't have a huge opening weekend, but it kept yeah. consistently growing where normally these movies fall off after their opening weekend, but The Greatest Showman went up. Yeah. So this movie came out in December 2017. It left movie theaters in July. And the world wa- the worldwide total that it made was $400 million. Wow. This movie only cost $85-ish million to make. So they definitely turned around a pretty big profit. And not only was it a huge hit in Canada and the States, but worldwide. And I went back to see sort of how this became a phenomenon. And I really think that the song that did it was This Is Me. remember in the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics the final skate performance the big group number was to this is me which is amazing <laughs> yes at the gala it's yeah. this is me just pops up everywhere I remember I was watching with my family um making the cut which is a fat which was a fashion competition series on Amazon and 
at the end, after the winner was announced, they did a montage of his accomplishments throughout the season. And it was to this is me. And I just, I couldn't get a hold of myself. I just kept laughing. I'm like, this is so dumb. Why are we doing well, this? Well, <laughs> it's interesting, too, because in the la- in the two years that we've had this podcast, we've talked about The Greatest Showman off and on, never mm-hmm. actually just discussing it. But From Now On was literally just one of my obsessions at the end of last year. It was one of your mm-hmm. obsessions early on in our podcast. And something that we discussed the other day was that this movie is not just for adults. The kids are obsessed with it. Kids love it. I've talked about, you know, I taught, like, dance and art, and I would play it to for the dance kids and they'd love it and I'd play it for the art kids like while we'd be working on art just the full cast recording full soundtrack for them and they all have favorites and they'd all be dancing to it and we'd like mm-hmm. can we play the greatest showman today every week I'd play the greatest showman it's so pure like it's very kid friendly but also fun and I enjoyed it too so it was like the perfect music to choose Yeah, it's also had sort of a resurgence on TikTok in the last year. I always see videos that when you are watching a TikTok video, the scrolling on the bottom music is The Greatest Showman. Everyone is doing the From Now On dance. I sent you the most precious video (laughs) the other day of these two little kids that are supposed to be sleeping in their room and just like wanting to reenact Million Dreams and rewrite the stars. It's so fascinating to me that... Like, the littlest of little kids love this movie. Have you seen the ones where it's, like, um, makeup reviews, I think? Where it's the other side? It's like, oh, thanks, but no. And they're, like, throwing the makeup (laughs) to the side. It's like, don't buy this. Don't buy this. It's just, it it applies to every situation. Why do you think that this movie is such a huge hit? I really just think it is fun. I don't know. The closest comparison I have for it is Mamma Mia. And... It's just you go into a theater and you know you're just going to get pure, unadulterated joy and fun songs. And you're not being asked to think too hardly about anything that's happening on screen. It's really, really, you know, P.T. Barnum's life was probably was very was much more complicated than this. But The Greatest Showman is like, we're not going to deal with any of that. We're going to simplify this and we're just going to give you the bare bones (laughs) of fun it's visually stunning to look at gorgeous just i just think of the elephants for some reason like you just like randomly in the background of scenes and it just brings you that joy it is a movie that's like oh i'm in a good mood i want to watch the greatest showman i definitely agree with that i think that in this case in terms of what makes it a global phenomenon is exactly what you said it does not matter what the storyline is it's that it's just fun period. That's all it is. And it's so it's so great to watch it with the lens of I don't need to really like pay close attention or take this too seriously. I can just sit down and enjoy for an hour and 45 minutes, which is prime movie time, let me Correct. just say. <laughs> Nothing should be longer than that. Yeah. But even thinking of uh this, the setting of where it takes place, like that house that they live in is stunning. The beach is amazing when they put on all of the performances in the circus aspect of it. It's so bright and colorful. And one of the first times that we got to see that was when they performed at the Warner Brothers lot, which was in advance of this movie coming out. It was for it was during Christmas Carol Live, right? Christmas, Christmas Story. Story. Yes. Yeah. So Another Pasek and Paul joint. Yes. And it was the whole cast and they performed Come Alive and it was sort of, this is a tease of what the movie is. It was so exciting. I had listened to that soundtrack fully before we had seen the movie and 
in this case, I feel like it was a good thing that it was released just before that movie came out because it really did let people that might have been skeptical about it get a taste of what the music was. And I mean, let's just say this right now. I think that it is maybe the best Pasek and Paul score that they have. It, it's so tough. It It's very different from their other stuff, I feel. It, I, it, it has their like pop sensibility, but I do feel it's super, super different from anything else they've written. Yeah, so The Greatest Showman soundtrack has been on the Billboard 200 charts for years now. And even to the point that in 2020, it was still number two on the soundtrack list. So it hits universally. And it's also one of those soundtracks we had discussed that it could play on the radio. And that also helped because of that reimagined soundtrack that came out. It was playing on the radio, the reimagined soundtrack. I remember listening to Rewrite the Stars. Whoever sang that, I'm like, it doesn't matter who sang it on the on the reimagining. But that would play on the radio. I'd be listening. I'm like, it's The Greatest Showman. Okay. As I'm driving yeah. to work or whatever. As you just said, this soundtrack is kind of different to Pasek and Paul's normal style of music. So I think we both can agree that one of the first cast recordings we heard from them was Dogfight. Yes, that was the first thing I heard from Pascal Paul. Well, Wait. Smash, but then Dogfight. Yes, that's true. I definitely, yes, knew Smash before Dogfight. And I have to say, their Smash songs in season two, which we did talk about in our Smash episode, those are some of my favorite Smash songs. Well, let's talk about the rewrite this story, rewrite the stars. Uh, yes. They only have one idea, and you got to rewrite it. <laughs> but both of those songs, fantastic. Great, great amazing. And they also did uh, did Caught in the Storm, which is one of my favorite songs from Smash. And then I also mm-hmm. love Original, which Original is kind of poppy, could find its way into a Greatest Showman type score in comparison to the other stuff that they've done. Yeah, Original, I don't like that much. Moving on then. Um, and then obviously yeah. Dear Evan Hansen was a big a show for them and probably exposed them to Hollywood, I would say. Well, it was their first big hit, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. But I don't think it exposed them to Hollywood because they've been working on La La Land already when Dear Evan Hansen opened, you know? Yeah, but Dear Evan Hansen opened in whatever year, but that show had been in the works for seven years. For sure, but years. so had La La Land, you know? They, I think I think it's the Platt family, though, that helped that happen. Maybe it's the Platt family. Maybe it's the Platt <laughs> family because they're involved in all of those things. But yeah, yes. I think they were kind of around and people knew of them. And then all of their projects just ended up kind of hitting within two years of each other, basically, with Jeremy Hansen and La La Land opening the same year, The Greatest Showman being the next year. So they were really mm-hmm. at the front of mind for everything. And now, you know, they did, they worked on the Aladdin movie. And yeah, it says, as per Wikipedia, which is very trustworthy, that they're working on the upcoming Disney adaptation of Snow White, doing music for that, which is super interesting. Yeah. Because that doesn't seem like their typical style, but, you know... I guess just doing Aladdin live action exposed them yeah. to the world of Disney and they were like, we liked your song for this. Let's put you for this one. And then also they're doing, I think, a couple new songs for the Dear Evan Hansen movie that's currently filming. Probably. You know, you got to go for that Oscar with the original song, best original song. 
They've yeah, got one already, which, but you know, we need more. Yes. And it's, it is interesting that, as you said, all of these th- projects sort of came out within a year of each other because Dear Evan mm-hmm. Hansen, obviously a Tony darling, and then City of Stars won the Oscar for mm-hmm. the 89th Academy Awards. And then This Is Me was nominated for the 90th Academy, Academy Awards. So what won What a year? crazy couple years. It was Beat by Remember Me from Coco, which uh, Bobby and Kristen Lopez, amazing. We love them. Fantastic. Um, I don't know if I love Remember Me. Do you remember <laughs> the Oscar performance of Remember Me? Was it Gail Garcia Bernal just yes. like singing that song so unpleasantly? Yes. But I also don't think that the This Is Me performance was that great at the Oscars. The Oscars performances are never It's always rough. What it is always rough. Be. You're right. You're right. Yes. The next year was shallow. Well, now I'm thinking of this. Did they have Ryan Gosling sing City of Stars? No, John Legend did it. Um, he did like a montage of the... But I'm, I think John Legend did it. Wow. I actually love that John Legend song in <laughs> La La Land. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do love that John Legend song, but that wasn't nominated for an Oscar. No, it was just Audition and City of Stars nominated for an Oscar, but I'm pretty sure that it was John Legend who performed them. Yeah, I just can't imagine Ryan Gosling getting up there like Bradley Cooper did. Uh, Ryan Gosling would never, and Bradley Cooper gave us what we wanted with the iconic (laughs) shallow performance at the Oscars. What was better than that performance? When the camera from the back came in and they just walked up from the audience and they, and (laughs) oh, amazing. A Stars Born. Well, this is we actually now a Stars Born episode. <laughs> the Stars Born cast. But yeah, Pasek and Paul have really like in the past, I would say five years, their rise has just been like meteoric. You know, they had a slow start, not a slow start, but Dogfight didn't quite make it to Broadway, even though I think it was like pretty well reviewed. And then yeah. A Christmas Story was a seasonal thing, but it, you know, it was well reviewed, but again, didn't like quite capture in the same way that some of their later stuff did but then you know all of these things happening at once really really made them kind of not household names but to theater to theater people kind Mm of um top of mind for oh who's writing this modern musical let's get Pasek and Paul they're like always kind of at the top of the list for who's wanted to be writing new stuff and I I really like what they do I like that they kind of because they're quite young they have a pop like twist that goes on a lot of things that I think um, hooks audiences very well right now. So I'm a fan. Yeah, it's so interesting because I've seen so many videos now of either people performing their songs with Justin Paul sitting at the piano. And like, obviously, Benj is never there because he's the <laughs> lyric writer. But I just want to know well, they what write he's both together, doing. I think. But just Benj, Benj isn't... Uh, he's not playing any instruments. No, he's not playing piano. <laughs> um, but one of the most iconic moments of Justin Paul playing music was the behind the scenes video of the greatest showman workshop which was the workshop that they needed to do to green light this movie i think you need to set this up because i know that it is very important to you (laughs) it is really important okay so there is an iconic video kara's right from the workshop for the investors of the greatest showman where they played them all the music to get you know the financial backing to do this movie and um the viral video that was released by the Greatest Showman team has of them singing from now on is like there's just so many amazing parts of it. It just gets better and better with every watch. The other night we were on Cedar, we watched it like twice in a row because it's so good. <laughs> so I have taken the liberty of ranking 
the top five moments of that video. So if you want to go and pull it up on YouTube, if you haven't seen it before, I can't we'll believe it. We'll put it in the seen, description box. We'll put it in the description box. Um, you must watch this video because I am now about to rank the top five moments starting from number five. Hugh Jackman's Band-Aid because he had just <laughs> had had um, surgery to remove some skin cancer. So he has a Band-Aid on his nose. In the video, I think he said he had 80 stitches. That seems like a lot. But um, yeah, number five. I wonder wonder how big it was to remove because 80 stitches would make me think that it was a huge piece of skin to remove. His nose looks fairly normal. (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. Okay, number four, Justin Paul losing his mind on the piano as the song goes on. Just really watch it. Watch him stand. Number three, um, Hugh Jackman talk singing. My God, it starts tonight. (laughs) Is that a good impression? It wasn't. That was great. It wasn't. But just his interpretation, his acting in that moment. Number three. Number two, Cynthia Arrivo screaming on the chair. Just That's the best when you part. Turn, when the camera pans to her and she's just like going for it. Amazing. Which and is so one, funny. Well, oh, yes. one second. Which is so funny because you, for half of that video, do not see Cynthia Arrivo, but you just Mm-mm. hear her in the background. And when we were watching this on scene, you're like, that's Cynthia. I know that's Cynthia. We can hear her. And then (laughs) it slow pans to her. And she's just like throwing her hands. It's so good. Wearing a yoga tracksuit and glasses. Yes. And she's got like great hair. It's just, you know, they're they're all so casual. They just casually show up and then give the performance of their lives for this. It must have been so crazy to be in that room. Okay. Number one is there is a moment where... Hugh Jackman and Jeremy Jordan high five and I don't know why it kills me every time it is so funny he just like they're just both like singing and then Hugh Jackman reaches his hand out and Jeremy's like yes let's high five (laughs) I agree I think that you nailed the top five and I also think that now is the perfect time to transition into the iconic Jeremy Jordan story which was actually again just released on YouTube we will link it in the description for our YouTube viewers so Jeremy Jordan did a concert back in early 2020 about a year ago actually Mm -hmm. and it was a cabaret at 54 below he did I think upwards of 15 shows and they actually just won a Broadway World Award for best cabaret and he released or sorry Ben Rowla released a video of Jeremy doing a greatest showman medley now we had kind of heard bits and pieces of what the actual story was because as Steph said we saw him in this iconic video and knew that he's the one who starts to sing before Hugh takes over singing yeah so we had known that he was asked by uh, Pasek and Paul to do the demos of The Greatest Showman, which is literally not unheard of. Many, many times All the time. singers All the time. are asked to just do demos. And then he said that he was asked to come in and do this workshop playing Philip. So this was the first phone call that he got. At the time, I think he said he was doing Supergirl. So he was in LA. Right. The workshop was in New York. Then he gets a call again saying, Hugh Jackman needs to have surgery to remove his skin cancer. So we need you to actually play both parts. Great. <laughs> I'll we do really it. need to hear his other side that is both yes. uh, Philip and P.T. Barnum. Yes. And then as Jeremy is getting ready to board the plane to New York, he loses his voice and he cannot sing. And this is like the biggest thing in his career is that he needs to sing so that he himself can get this movie greenlit basically because he is singing the two main he parts. He's riding of this on movie. his shoulders. Jeremy Jordan yeah. 
personally got this movie grown the Yes. And it wasn't that normally Justin Paul would also step in to help sing, but he also randomly lost his voice and could not do it. So Jeremy says in this video, to make a long story short, that he ended up taking steroids to be able to sing, which he was like, this is a no-no, never do that as a singer. And while he is giving this speech, he's also singing the different songs of The Greatest Showman. And... So the workshop happens, and as we just said, the last song that they perform is From Now On. And Hugh Jackman gets... He just cannot contain himself. He needs to sing, even though he's not allowed to sing. And there is a moment in the video that you can see on Jeremy's face that he's like, it's over. I can't My believe whole this is happening right is now. Over. <laughs> he, played, he was a good sport in the video, but like, yeah, what we he know was. now, it's funny. And I, yeah, I think exactly knowing what we know now, this was obviously kind of like a traumatizing experience for him at the end of the day because he had given so much to this and he thought, okay, well, Hugh is in, so it's fine. I still have the chance to play Philip Carlyle. And before this meeting ended, he heard that Hugh Jackman had just got on the phone with Zac Efron for the part. And just to think that your dreams are shattered because Zac Efron is going to replace you... I'm so sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> it's just, I, I it, it sounds like it was kind of a bit of a traumatizing moment for him a little bit. And then to have the video of it go viral is just another level of hilarity you're just re- to You're me. reminded of that moment from 2017, like over and over and over again. And he says in this cabaret that the reason that he is singing these songs now is to say goodbye to that chapter in his life. And mm-hmm. I wonder if he's ever seen the movie. I feel like he hasn't. I mean, he's got a young daughter now. Like, this is a perfect movie for her to watch, you know? <laughs> she's, a little, she's a little too she's young. Little, she's, she's only small. two. <laughs> she's small. But yeah. I feel like eventually she'll get to watch the movie, you know? So speaking of From Now On, let's talk about our favorite songs in this movie. We each ranked our top three, correct? Yeah. Okay, my number three from The Greatest Showman is Come Alive. Me too. I think we're okay. actually going to have the exact same top three. Do you three, think? But Do you think? Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know. Okay. Number three. My number two is From Now On. Oh, no. We don't have the same top three. My number two is Rewrite the Stars, and my number one is From Now On. So. Oh, wow. My number one is Never Enough. I, uh, <laughs> I forgot I that never you enough. had this whole epiphany on I Friday. love Never Enough. I love Never Enough. Uh, let's talk about Come Alive. So this, as I said, was the first song that I think we had seen a staged sort of uh, version sure. of with that uh, Warner Brothers lot performance. I think the beginning of this song and the way that it builds is amazing. I also am so obsessed with the choreography and my favorite part is what we talked about the other day of his daughters doing the choreography off in the corner. It's so good. This song is the definition of fun and joy and everything that you need right now. So I love this song so much. And I also think it's a great uh, storytelling song, the way that it builds from 
they're nervous backstage like to be who they are and Hugh Jackman is inspiring them P.T. Barnum is inspiring them in this moment to go out and they start out timid and then they like you know come alive in front of this audience and they're allowed to be themselves for the first time to this song amazing and it's like very funky choreography as well um and I also like every time Hugh Jackman does the choreography like group (laughs) choreography like I get such a kick out of it I really do well the funniest thing in that scene that you don't realize when you first watch this movie or maybe you do the first time you see this movie but Hugh Jackman takes or P.T. Barnum takes out this loan and then one second later he rents out the place that they're going to put on the performance. And it has his name it, on it. <laughs> yeah. It's already there and ready. And then I, this was a question I had. It was like, what is the timeline of this movie? Because it's really unknown. We actually have no idea. And then, no. yeah, they, they start. His children to, like, don't age. Together. His children are the same no. age the entire movie. Yes. Um, but yeah, the whole build of everything, not just the music in the song builds, but the the build of the entire scene of what you said, they're nervous and then they put on this amazing performance and people love it. And I just think, imagine sitting in a theater and hearing that live. It would be so exciting. And whether it's a theater or an arena tour, or as I said the other day, I really think this is a Vegas show moment. This is really mm. where The Greatest Showman would thrive is at Vegas. A 45 be, minute long Vegas show. I would go every day, multiple times a day. What did I say? A cruise ship. Yeah, Put a cruise ship would be amazing. Yeah. So I totally agree. Come Alive is such a fun song. Okay, let's talk about From Now On because it's my number one, but you're number two. So let's talk about it now. This song, one, vocally is beautiful. Instrumentally is beautiful. The storytelling that's happening is beautiful. The scene is bizarre. (laughs) I love it so much. This is one of those things where it's like, I love this. It's so dumb. Um, And I think that's what this song perfectly encapsulates. Why are there pictures of him all over the walls of the bar? Well, like, we had thought that that bar was the same bar that they used for the other side. But now I think that he owns this bar because there's photos of him everywhere. It's it's very confusing. It is very (laughs) confusing. I really love the choreography of From Now On. It feels very communal. Like, a lot of the show feels very communal, but this, it feels very uh, family, community. Like, these people are supporting each other. They love each other. They're here for each other. And that's what this song is about to me. Yeah. And also, I just love how it sounds. It's, yeah, it's such a great, I honestly think that this song from Pasek and Paul is one of their best in all of their repertoire of music. Because of just the flow of it and as exciting as it can get, especially when it's the and we will come back home. Like you can just like clap along and Thinking dance. Think about along that video where they're just like clapping yes. to it. Yeah. I want to stand on a chair when I hear it. Exactly. But then you also get to the end of the song and there's some stunning three-part harmonies going of just the th- three different characters singing from now on until it ends up wherever he ends up. From now on, from now on, again. 
But yeah, the scene is actually bizarre because it starts off, he's so emotional, drinking his beer, very sad at the bar. Then we get into this big dance number. Then he runs and catches the ju- the back of a train. What? Going where? Okay. Well, wasn't he going to... He went to see um, Charity. Like, he was going home to them. And then the next scene is we see him at uh, her parents' house. And the, mm-hmm. the daughters say that she's at the beach. And then they have this beautiful moment where they sing a bit of From Now On Together. It, their house is a train ride away? Yes, obviously. <laughs> like, I, he I guess rides I never an got that from the rest of the movie. at the end of the movie to go see his Baffled, daughter's ballet really show. Really baffled about the elephant. But then I also, what I also love about From Now On is that it appears at the very end when he is sitting watching his daughter's ballet performance and he mm-hmm. just finishes the end of From Now On and then the movie ends and it's like, mm-hmm. now I'm emotional. <laughs> it's true. Like, you know, uh, From Now On, I will be, you know, a good, da- like a, a attentive dad. You know, I'm going to change from this moment. Yeah, and, and this song had had such a huge impact in 2020. It was used for so many dance videos. Well, the lyric, like, we will come back home, that is, you know, the theater anthem has been, this is our home, and, like, we will come back to it. And not even that. Shara was telling us that at Camp Ouch, that was their theme of wow. for going back to camp. Like, that, we will get back here eventually. It's such mm-hmm. a universal lyric, and it can fit into different categories of whatever is happening in the world which is so amazing that again this movie came out in 2017 and it had such a huge impact in 2020 the songs have had great life like outside of the movie um yeah in a way that a lot of movie musicals don't really do anymore yes Um, that's for sure i mean let's talk about never enough a song that had a huge life outside of the movie okay there was a time where you could not turn on a reality competition singing show and not hear never enough seven times it is. It was that that song. People were not singing Whitney anymore. They were not singing Celine anymore. They were singing Never Enough. And yeah. I love Never Enough. I just remember being in the movie theater, and when that song started to play, and Jenny Lynn started singing Never Enough, I just... It was so beautiful to me that I was just like... My jaw to the ground. I remember looking over at you guys thinking like, are you hearing this? This song is crazy. It's amazing. Kind of, it's very schmaltzy. Like, it's very cheesy. Yeah. But in a great way, for me, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, like, it is over the top, but it's over the top in a way that is palatable to me. Um, I love it. I can never get enough of Never Enough. There was a performance that I was watching yesterday that it was, um, so Rebecca Ferguson played the character Jenny Lind in the movie, but the singing voice was from Lauren Allred, who was a cont- previous contestant on The Voice. And I was watching her sing it at like an evening with David Foster. And just some of the vocal choices that she made in that live performance slayed me. I There's, know. I, I just, you know, she does like a very measured version for the cast record for the soundtrack and for the movie. But when she gets to like really go wild on it, it there's so much amazing, amazing stuff. And not only is that song so stunning, it is 
so hard to sing. It is <laughs> way up in everyone's register, like at the top. And you can see that, I mean, literally type into YouTube, Never Enough, and you can see there are millions of covers by so many different artists. It did not matter if you had seen this movie, you were singing this song. And she's belting it too, right? It's mostly Yes, belts. yes. It's crazy. She's crazy. Her it's voice so is insane. But I agree. I also love the moment in the movie. It's so powerful. And it is one of those... Like, when she says, I'm trying to catch my breath, so are you, as an audience member. <laughs> like, like, I can't breathe right now. I cannot breathe yeah. while she sings the song. Beautiful. I, I love know. it so much. So, okay. my number two is uh, Rewrite the Stars. Obviously, we've talked about my number one. I love this song so much. And as we said at the beginning of this episode, you can compare this to uh, Rewrite the Story by Classic <laughs> and Paul from Smash. Um, and... I just think that this song is so beautiful, but not just the song. The scene that's happening in the movie, I just love it so much. Zendaya and Zac Efron are just trapezing around and having this intimate moment with each other because there was kind of drama that happened right before this moment, and it's just great. And it's This is the song that attempts to address racial politics in... It's the only song that kind of does that. I I mean, that's part. This is a part of the movie that they just don't get into the storyline. And when we talk about Dreamcasting this musical, I want more of a storyline for the Wheeler family because I think it's actually important. Sure. And I think in a a musical, obviously, you can add songs, which they would need to because there's only 11 on this uh, soundtrack. That's a chance for you to explore that. So that would be interesting. But. I mean, it's no secret. I love Zac Efron and have mm. always loved Zac Efron. So to see him get to sing a song like this is it, everything that I wanted. How Yeah, I agree. I love this song. I It's so much fun. And the choreography of it, I mean, the iconic when they, like, swing at each other and then, like, spin around each other on the, like, ropes that are hanging. I don't even know. Love it. I know. We got to do a bit of trapezing ourselves in 2019. I think it was called the Toronto Circus School. I'm not confident. But they I let right. you do drop-in classes of trapeze. And Char and I had gone originally, and then we went, the three of us, and... It was so fun, and I just remember going up there and, like, grabbing onto the bar before they say drop. I was like, this is The Greatest Showman. We are in the movie right now. It's so scary up there. Oh, my God. I don't even the know ladder. how high up it is, but it's pretty high. I don't high. know either. The worst part for me was the ladder to walk up. Now yeah, because the ladder is very shaky, and... Yeah, if you don't like that part and then you get to the top. I just remember the, the very first I'm time that swinging, we did it. it was totally fine. But yeah, the I swinging is fine. super fun. The part that is terrifying the first time you do it is Go. when you grab onto the bar and your feet are on the edge and you're only grabbing on with one hand first and then you have to like swing to grab the other. <laughs> oh and it's like, what if you don't grab the other hand bar? Like, how do you do this? And then the, the guy, this is like, the guy is up there with you, but is he attached to anything? I don't think so. I don't think so either. We were harnessed. 
We yeah, you're harnessed in the whole time. Yeah. Um, it's the crazy. thing that made it's us really feel crazy. better about it is that there were also many 13-year-olds doing it, so it was fine. <laughs> Who were much better than us. Actually, I have to be honest, Tara was very good at it. And I was um, good. Much better, much better than me. <laughs> I'm losing um, dead weight up there. There's a video. We will put it on Instagram. It will be on our TikTok uh, with it to rewrite the stars, so look out for that. But I was actually impressed with how good I was. Tara was really good I, at it, again. I think I should join the circus. You should join the circus. After two <laughs> trapeze classes two years ago, I think you should join the circus. Well, actually, this is a full tangent now, but I will say the guy that was teaching us, um, mm-hmm. because what we were taught to do was to grab onto the bar, swing, put your legs through the bar, uh, swing upside down, then grab it again, and then basically do like a front tuck and fall into the net. And mm-hmm. because we had gone before, and then I went with you guys, and I was pretty good at it the first time I did it too, the mm-hmm. the teacher was like, you've done this already. Like, you should sign up for another class. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I can do this. <laughs> Whereas it's my calling. I, the first Trapeze. time I went, felt like didn't have a good enough hold and fully fell off onto the net <laughs> the first time I went up. So that's yeah. fine. <laughs> But also, great workout. Like, go take a circus class oh whenever God, the pandemic arms. is over. The arms. No, it's so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was great. So we decided that we would dream cast this musical. If it was going to be on stage, who we want to play each character, and mm-hmm. kind of what our vibe, what our vision is for the production of it. Okay? So I think we should save Barnum for the end. He should be our sure. last person. Okay. okay. So let's start with... Who do you want to start with? Um, should we talk about, like, a Philip? Yeah, Phillip. sure. Let's do it. Okay, um, I went quite basic with my casting of so did I. Carlisle. <laughs> okay, um, I went with a Mr. Derek Cletta for the casting of Philip Carlisle. It's quite basic, you know? He's a good, adorable white boy. I, I can see it. I also went quite basic, and I went a Colton Ryan. We know that I I almost I did that, Colton and then Ryan. I didn't do it. <laughs> I also was thinking, like, who is comparable to Zac Efron and Colton was the first person that popped in my mind and I, I did like not cast Jeremy Jordan muscles. in this musical <laughs> no me uh no I I just think we need Derek's muscles you know we've seen him do the push-ups and the singing like because he, he needs to be up on that trapeze a little bit yeah I also would compare this performance to a Dimitri and Anastasia which obviously sure. he did it's very very similar so that's great casting. I totally agree with it. Well, I mean, on the track of Philip, let's cast um, his love interest, Ann Wheeler. Who yes. did you pick? Okay. Um, I went... So my first instinct was like a Haley Kilgore, you know, cute. But then I was like, do we need someone with a bit more danceability? Mm. So I switched it at the last minute to Ariana DeBose because we need, we need someone one. who has that like dance strength. Um, yeah. Because she spends a lot of time on that trapeze. Yes, she definitely does. Um, I also want someone that she is not like mostly a dancer, but she's been in shows that she does dance. And I went for a Taylor Amon Jones because I'm thinking oh, of yes. just like her head over heels. Like she had to dance in that, right? Yeah, there's a lot of dancing in that. Yes. Yeah. yeah she's great. Beautiful and voice. I ju- yes, beautiful voice. Like the um, best voice. And she is scheduled to be in this upcoming Devil Rose Prada whenever this I happens. Was, so they've delayed it again to 2022, like which is the correct move. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, it wasn't happening this summer, but I think maybe we'll be okay for 2022. We are so optimistic. if she 
if she has this like great rise in the Devil Rose Prada, mm. then she'll be ready to leave to go to the Greatest Showman. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Do you think there's yeah. going to be any acrobatics in the Devil Wars Prada musical? What do you think? No. <laughs> there should be. There truly should be. What scene um, would it be for, though? Uh, some like a Paris Fashion Week or something. Yes. Like Who's in. Who's going to play Stanley Tucci in that? I don't know. I don't think it's been cast. I think the only two names we so know either. are Taylor and Beth Level. Beth Level. Great Stanley Tucci should play himself. Stanley Tucci's going to come to Broadway for this. Yes. <laughs> he should. He has to have a great... Um, uh, he has to do the makeover song. Anyway, not the point. Moving on. Um, yeah. Okay. So do you have someone for Anne's brother, WD? I do. I cast an Ephraim Sykes for um, WD Wheeler. Who did you yes, cast? Yes, that's a great one. Um, Josh Henry, obviously. Oh, I have Josh Henry oh. coming up later. Don't worry about Josh Henry. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I cast uh, Josh Henry for that. And while we're here, as I said, I wanted to create like a bit of a backstory for these characters. So I thought that they should have a mother character, Ooh. Cynthia Revo, obviously. We and she's going to she's gonna come in and sing a song all about uh, the struggles of being a black family in the circus, because that is clearly what the underlying mm-hmm. story is that they just choose not to talk about at all and right. she will have so her she's own a solo song performer yes like Cynthia. yes okay she is right. also in the trapeze like it, they are a family of trapeze oh it's like a triple act like a trip yes. three people except the by the time that we get to stage the greatest showman she doesn't perform anymore mm, okay but we'll have some flashback moments of her don't worry sure but she would well, need someone must. to play her younger and i'm not sure who that would be so uh, we don't worry about that. An unknown, an ensemble yeah. member. Okay, who? So, Letty Lutz, the bearded lady. Is there anyone but Kiala? No, she must Kiala reprise. is she reprising reprise. her role. There is not even. We are not even holding auditions for that character. No, no, no. no. She is offer only on yes. The Greatest Showman. Okay, yeah. did you cast the critic? Um, I want Ben Brantley to play. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they should do? They should have, like, a guest, um, like, every week. Like, a guest critic come in. Well, I mean, the reason I... So, I was calling the critic whatever his name is. um, I I looked it up, but I just called him the critic, yeah. It's something with a B. And because it was a B, I was like, well, this is obviously Ben Brantley. So, Ben Brantley's now retired. So, he can definitely step into Mm. the theater and do this role now. True. Okay, I went with more of an actual person to cast. (laughs) A theater actor. And I'm like, this guy needs to get a song. He needs to, I think two songs. One in act one telling me, you know, what, what we're looking for. And one in act two, which is like, you know, I realize that we only need to make people happy. Credit being oh, okay. too critical, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I have cast Brandon Uranowitz to play the critic. <laughs> okay. That's so He's going to wear like a really jaunty hat. He's He has to wear a hat. Um, yeah. I like. I'm picturing it. He's wearing a hat, and he's always got like a notebook and a pen. You know. Yeah. Um, I think he could be fantastic in this. That is truly the only person that should play that character. So yes. I agree. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to the iconic bartender from that one. Oh my god, scene. I didn't cast the bartender. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Wow. I forgot. I mean, it's Cheyenne Jackson for me because <laughs> it just has he's to be. He's always the bartender. Sorry. <laughs> That's why. He's, He's just always there. He just shows up. Descendants yep. 2 was on yesterday. And I was like, Amazing. oh, hello, Cheyenne Jackson. I half watched Julian the Phantoms. And I'm like, hello, Cheyenne Jackson, you again. Yes. He, Saved by the he, bell. 
reboot. Cheyenne he just shows up whenever you need him to show up. So that's why he would be in this one scene. And he would partake in the other side as like a third part harmony at some point. Sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And we also counted that they take seven shots during this scene. That's important. Um, which it all happens in the span of like three minutes. Just need to put that out there. It's a lot of shots. It is a lot of shots. That when he yeah. pours so many, fantastic. It's great. Yeah, I love the dancing in the other side. The bartender does. I when I first saw the movie, I recognized him because he was a member of a a show called Legion of Extraordinary Dancers. That I think I've like briefly talked about before, and he was on that show too. And I was like, oh my god, I know you. You are cloud. <laughs> love, amazing. Okay, who are we casting as Jenny Lind? Um. Okay, I went kind of classic singer i mean i was like this is a kelly o'hara but i'm not gonna put her in this role because Mm -hmm. that's the obvious choice so i went for another obvious choice and it's laura benanti i mean yes the only thing is she is a soprano and these are this is not a soprano song never i know but i actually think that never enough would be kind of changed for the musical version which i know it probably breaking to you i think (laughs) I think the real Jenny Lind was a soprano, and they've just they just took some artistic liberty. For the, <laughs> obviously, this is not the song she was singing. No, um, but uh, yeah, I think that's a great choice. I I really am thinking about the budget for this show with all these star casting we're doing. You know what I yep. mean? <laughs> the, like the weekly run, the weekly. Uh, uh, and don't forget, is this is going to be like a full circus set too. Huge, so huge. Yes, the lighting okay, budget m- is also massive. I envision. Jenny Lind as kind of a teen angel character. She comes out like twice, okay. sings yeah. a song, leaves, probably goes home, honestly, doesn't even stay for bows, you know? And no, of course she cast, stays for bows. She has to bow. Will she sing Never Enough again at the bow? And as yeah. part of the mega mix, she has to sing a little bit of Never Enough. Okay. Um, I picked Karen Olivo. I was just trying to think of someone with an amazing, gorgeous belt, and I love her belt. So Karen Olivo. Yes, that's a great choice. I I think there are many leading ladies on Broadway that could step in and play this. Oh my God, maybe this is like a stunt cast situation and a different leading lady comes in every night. Yes, fantastic. Talking about the budget. (laughs) Speaking of this budget. Yeah. Maybe like Kelly Clarkson comes in, you know, and just. Well, Kelly Clarkson sang it on the Reimagined, so she can totally Mm. come in and sing it. Yeah. I'm into it. it. Okay, are we doing Charity? Yes. Charity Barnum? I have. Philippa Sue to play Charity. Me too. Oh my god, (laughs) she is the perfect person for this role. It's so sweet. Yeah, but I do think so. She sings tightrope, which is if there's a dud on this cast recording, it's that one. Yeah, but I I think in the musical we would explore more of her life because I think it's more interesting than we think. We'll get more childhood scenes, or maybe more of her as like a teen. Yeah, you know her voice is so pure and perfect, exactly that there is literally nobody else to play this role except for her. I agree. That's so I funny. Agree. I love that. Um, I didn't cast any of the children because it would be up and comers. Obviously, no. We'll find we'll find some new kids. We'll find. Some but new kids. to keep in the theme of like, let's have this as a super high budget. Will Swenson will also reply reprise his role as sure. young PT's dad. <laughs> 
He gets to go home after he's finished his scenes and not bow. He is in maybe two scenes and he also doesn't sing, which is a tragedy for everyone in the audience. Maybe we would have yeah. him sing like a little teeny tiny bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, he does a not bow. A million dreams maybe, you know? Ooh. He, talk about how he has like better, bigger dreams for his son than he has. Yes. Than, it would be like a dark himself. reprise of A Million Dreams sung by mm. Will Swenson alone. Gorgeous. Before, before just he dies. before he dies. Yes, <laughs> like, like I Dreamed a Dream. That is what it yes, is. Yes. That's his, it's I, his I Dreamed a Dream moment. Perfect. And then he cuts his hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he does have like long hair in this movie. <laughs> okay. I think our only person left is the greatest showman himself. Okay. Well, I'll go first. I, I have a few people listed, but like I was like, let's have Josh Henry play this part i love that and i also think it's interesting because i was thinking of who the greatest showman could be in comparison to other characters and i do think that burr is the correct comparison mm. for a greatest showman and obviously like, josh henry played burr for a while so yeah yeah i just think i just love josh henry i think he's got a great voice he's a good mover he's just fantastic and i think he'd have so much fun with this and it's yeah. also like a little bit different from what we've seen him do, do before I do think I do agree that I think the closest thing is Burr because Burr is a bit of a showman you know when he yes. sings the room is a hat where it happens he you know gets to go over the top yeah um, and I think he would just like a full version of that in the greatest showman would be so much fun I agree so for this part I only have one actor and to be honest this actor has been in my mind to play this role if it ever went to Broadway for a couple years now and mm-hmm. it's Ramin Karimlu as the greatest showman wow. because I mean could it be anybody else <laughs> fantastic. fantastic his voice is like out of this world and I've been to a couple of his concerts and he has sung from now on and I feel mm-hmm. like he sang I don't know. I feel like I've heard him sing a demo of a couple other songs, but he has mm. such a powerful voice. And I just picture him at the very beginning, like killing it on The Greatest Show. And yes. I need to hear it now. <laughs> this is The Greatest Show. I, I agree. I know. We've heard him sing from now on. It's on his like Broadgrass, Bluegrass. Yeah. I don't know. He does like a Broadway Bluegrass version of it, which is really, really great. And his voice just nails everything he's ever sung. So I love this casting choice. And I think that the vocals, even though, I mean, Hugh Jackman, and I, I'm not the biggest fan of Hugh Jackman's voice in itself. But I think but Hugh I, sounds good in this. You know what I mean? I agree. This in is a way, a that way I better moment than Les Mis. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but I do think that the songs are like decently hard to sing. And Ramin is someone that obviously has played two of the most iconic roles, Valjean and The Phantom, which are both right. like huge undertakings for eight times a week. So I feel like this show would be easy for him. It would be a breeze. <laughs> just a, a, a true like walk in the park for Ramin yeah. to just do this. I think the dancing would be the harder for him. The dancing. I definitely agree. The dancing would be super hard. But I think like you were saying with Josh Henry, this would be a very different role to something that he's played before. Ramin's roles have always been like kind of more serious. So this would be, this is just yeah. pure pure fun fun camp fun <laughs> didn't you have more people on your list for pt oh my other two people were jeremy jordan and then my like um yeah i don't know i don't know but he jeremy like, jordan's you know, not like, right for the role <laughs> he's not quite right but you know i was like you know he deserves something and then my other kind of like out of left field pick was an andy carl like andy carl could do this yeah but 
I like my Josh Henry much better. I agree. Okay, so I picked a director that I want to do this. And the director I picked is Rachel Chavkin because I feel like, you know, we start talking about Great Comet. It was first like in a 99 seat tent, you know? Yeah. And I feel like well, I want this to be done in a tent where yes. like the circus sets up in New York, wherever that is, where like the Red Apple Circus or whatever. And I think she can do stuff that feels like really grand, but also feels really intimate. And I also want it to feel a little bit like grungy if that makes sense yeah the movie is very polished but i want it to feel a little bit dirtier on stage they need to hone in on those scenes of the protesting and make that Mm. the super grungy moments for sure Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like you know the circus backstage is not that glamorous a place the way it's been made out to in this movie you know it it, it's hard it's i want it to be a little more uh rough than the movie portrayed yeah that's great um, I also went with a female director and Ooh. I went, actually, we should just say we made it a rule that we couldn't choose Alex Timbers because <laughs> he's the only person he's, that we he's ever talked about. the obvious choice. He is too obvious. Yeah. Um, I went with Marianne Elliott, who mm. also has super cool visions. Obviously, the company revival she was doing and also Curious Incident. But then I thought back and I was like, but War Horse. And could she bring the puppetry in Think for- of an elephant. Yes. Think of an elephant. Wouldn't that be amazing? That. that would be so much fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Marianne Elliott too. And I also kind of think of um, specifically in Matilda. This has nothing to do with Marianne Elliott, but I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about like the circus aspect of it. Do you remember the scene in Matilda when the librarian is like reading these fantastical stories? Yes. And, and they then, did like, like the shadow. Yes. Yeah. So I was thinking for like circus aspect of this set for obviously you cannot have the crazy CGI animals that they had in this movie. I was thinking a combination of puppetry, but then also some like shadow play could be really cool. Right. Right. A la, um, if you remember like um, Once on this Island where they were creating stuff with the, with the sheet and the shadows and like they, have you seen like on America's Got Talent where they create the stories with all the human bodies with the shadow projections? It's kind of similar to that. And you could like make animals out of human bodies um, in the silhouette. That would be really cool. Okay. Well, I'm excited now. I know. Random production of the greatest (laughs) show that's never happening. (laughs) Did you pick a set designer? I didn't pick a set designer. No, I didn't. Okay. I picked one, also chose not to do a Derek McLean or David Corns because they are two mm. people that we talk about all the time. So mm. I went with Scott Pask, who did the most recent Pippin, and mm. he also has done like Waitress, Book of Mormon, Band's Visit, Something Rotten. But the real reason right. that I chose him was because he actually worked on the Barnum musical. And I was like, okay, oh my God, did I listen let's to Barnum bring it back. yesterday? I definitely did listen to Barnum yesterday. <laughs> How is it? Um, it sounds exactly like what you'd expect it to sound like. It sounds very circusy. Well, let's talk about that for a second because I actually don't think that this soundtrack sounds circusy at all. No, I don't think so either. It sounds grand, but I don't think it sounds circusy. Yeah, and on that track, as we said, this soundtrack only has eleven songs, so obviously we would have to add some music. And I do sure. think that there is a big number missing for P.T. Barnum because he is in all of these group numbers, but there's never mm-hmm. a, like, I messed up number, and I think there needs to be. You're right. I think he does need kind of a ballad moment. Yes. Um, which I guess is his, like, from now on, he messed up, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we need it I do sooner. think he needs a ballad moment. Yeah. Maybe right and after I- the Jenny Lind moment um, when he's on the train home, something like that, you know? Yeah. And I also think that there's a Philip 
solo moment missing. Mm, I can see that. I can see that. And obviously, Pasek and Paul are scoring this musical because yeah, 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 of course, of course, they're they're, this is them. They're going to continue with their their work. You know, do we do like a basic William Ivy Long costumes? Like, you know, who did the Moulin Rouge costumes? Oh, that's that's what I'm thinking. I want over the top glitz, glamour, circus outfits, and also just like the regular clothes that they wear like the jenny lynn dresses are incredible beautiful i agree which like william ivy long would do oh Catherine zuber did the costumes for moulin rouge and like those are fantastic i agree yes yeah like that color that color palette is very much and also i think of in sparkling diamond and moulin rouge the men are all wearing top hats so it's already there we've already seen a vision of it (laughs) we have the aesthetic here yeah no that's a great choice that's a great choice yeah i just think honestly and i know that it's there are whispers of something mm-hmm. maybe eventually down the line happening with this story. Do you do you think Hugh Jackman would do it though on Broadway? I would be upset to see him on Broadway. Do <laughs> I really would. Even even though like he is in all aspects of life the greatest showman, many people mm-hmm. would call him the greatest showman. I just don't need to see him in this. We've already seen him do it. I just feel like he has the ego to do it. You well, I mean? also think about, I don't know, what, I think it was the year after the movie came out, he did an arena tour, which he's done right. his Boy From Oz, and he sang all of the songs from The Greatest Showman. So, yes, like Keala went with him and sang This Is Me. And But I do think that you're probably right, and I think that he would have to give his blessing for someone else mm. to do it if it's not him. Right. I don't know. I just, I think by the time it hits Broadway, he'll be too old, to be honest. Maybe. He'll be like, I can't do this eight times a week. No. Or maybe he would start it and then be in for yeah, like a limited like three run. Months, let's say. Imagine how, how much it would cost to go see him in the Greatest Showman musical. It would be well, insane. Think of the Music Man. Think of how much they're charging. Yeah, for the music it would be man. double that though, because everyone that's seen the movie, if they had found out that he was in, like this would make it become a tourist attraction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which maybe would be good. Maybe this is what we need to reinvigorate Broadway, okay? We need the greatest showman musical after this pandemic. Starring I would be thrilled. I would rather him star in this than The Music Man. Wow, agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's a take. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the... If he's going to choose to reopen Broadway with one of the two, it's going to be The Greatest Showman. I would live for it. I think we deserve it. It's what it's what we deserve, okay? Make it happen. I also think that it would be cool to see this as an arena tour. I really do. Yes, I think an arena tour would be super fun. And, then, like, the tent, the idea of the tent would be so, so, so much fun. I think it would be a blast. I, I, think, I think this is one of those shows that um, wouldn't necessarily suit a regular theater. It needs a kind of um, different take different venue on it like maybe yeah. an immersive moment Ooh, an immersive moment would be so cool an immersive moment oh we had also discussed which i think it's important that everybody knows that the merch stands would sell the beard for the bearded lady yes like the merch in the greatest showman at the yeah. like pt barnum where the little the daughters have the beard you had can buy the beard i agree I you agree. can also buy a top hat because it's very important that wraps up our thoughts and feelings on The Greatest Showman and also now our thoughts and feelings on The Greatest Showman musical. If you have seen this movie, if you love this movie, we would love to know and we would also love to know what your favorite song is because 
You've heard our favorite songs, so now we want to hear your favorite songs. And with that being said, it's now time for our Obsession of the Week. Okay, Steph, what do you have for us? Okay, um, this is a semi-Christmas-related obsession, and I know it's months later, but we it's all need February. to get over it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> move yep. on okay so i watched on netflix this documentary it's called dance dreams dance dreams hot chocolate nutcracker and it's about debbie allen's dance studio putting on what they put on every year which is the hot chocolate nutcracker and talking about uh, casting it and performing it and how it came to be and i the nutcracker is something that's a huge dance tradition and has been for so like a hundred years basically and it is, but it, but ballet as an institution is kind of very white and has often excluded people of color. And so Debbie Allen created her own Nutcracker with different music and different styles of choreography um, and puts it on every year. And a lot of times the Nutcracker for dance companies and dance studios is the huge moneymaker of the year. And it's what allows them to put on the rest of the year's programs and what allows them to lose money on those, which they often do. Um, so I, and this year was a year with basically no Nutcracker. So it was fun to watch this separate version of the Nutcracker and see they have kids as young as five and like as old to like young adults basically performing this Nutcracker and the work that goes into it. And it was actually just the joy of performing and the joy of dancing. And also something that I really loved about it was I danced for many, many years up until I was 17. And I watched this and realized, wow, all dance teachers are actually the same. It doesn't matter if it's Debbie (laughs) Allen or just like Miss Whoever from down the street. They're all the same. (laughs) You know, just telling, making sure you listen, telling you, you know, you have to be professional. You have to be respectful. I I don't know. It's just, it like reminded me of when I was dancing and when I was in a studio when I was a kid, you know, goofing off in the background as you do when you're a kid and the teacher is telling you, you have to be quiet. You have to do all these things. And it was just such a joy to watch this documentary and see the production that they put on and talk her talk about her students who had gone on to many other amazing things and i don't know it was just such a joy so the documentary is dance dreams hot chocolate nutcracker and it's available on netflix i've never seen the nutcracker okay here's what i'll I'll say about the nutcracker i have seen the toronto version um twice and it is fine to me but it is not like the end-all be-all of nutcrackers and i wouldn't recommend it i love the balancing version that new york city ballet puts on Um, but I've only ever seen a filmed version of it. I've never seen it in person. So that's the one that I think is the best. And then this is obviously like a reinterpretation of it. I've never seen it, obviously. It's just, it's Debbie on Stan Studio. But it's a huge reinterpretation of it that takes the basic story and Mm -hmm. puts like a funkier twist on it. But I, I do think it is a wonderful holiday tradition. Very Christmassy, though. Yeah, I I mean, we were going to do a... Steph takes her to the ballet. (laughs) We were going to go to Swan Lake this year, which I'm so disappointed. I I really... It was like Karen Kane's 50th anniversary. And obviously now by the time we get to the... Back to the ballet, it'll be like her 52nd anniversary. Um, But Karen Kane has like done so much for dance here in Toronto and like given us so much. So I, Mm -hmm. I hope she'll... You know, we we can see her staging of Swan Lake eventually. I, I I do love going to the ballet. And actually, I was talking to my brother last night, and he was talking about, you know, dance never really, like, moved him that much. He said, except for the time I went with you to see Romeo and Juliet at the National Ballet of Canada. I was like, oh, wow, oh, wow. this is the one time that, like, dance moved you. And so I, I love the ballet, obviously. It made an yeah. impact on him. The Romeo <laughs> and Juliet, I think, is really good. Moving on, mm. Dance Dreams, Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. Tara, what is your obsession? Amazing. 
Okay, my obsession is kind of like a combination of a couple things. Guys, we're back with another TikTok obsession. It's just <laughs> happening. Um, so I actually need to shout out Alessandra for this obsession because she sent the original <laughs> video in our mm-hmm. Bridgerton group chat. So here I we burn are. For you. <laughs> with I Burn For You from the Bridgerton musical that is now on TikTok. And it's so funny to me that this is happening because obviously we saw the success of the Ratatouille musical that raised $2 million for the Actors Fund, which is incredible and the biggest fundraising goal that they've had crazy that this happened off of this tiktok musical Mm -hmm. um the bridgerton musical which we could talk about bridgerton in itself and like let us know if you want an episode on us dreamcasting a bridgerton musical (laughs) because i'm kind of ready to do it this show (laughs) but also the book series because steph has demolished that book series tweet me for if you want my thoughts on bridgerton and today forever but this tiktok musical was created by user abigail barlow with three w's and she has made sort of songs for i don't know if she's done for every character but she's done for a lot of the fan favorite characters in this show and the song that i'm obsessed with is burn for you which is the song sung at the honeymoon scene in bridgerton between daphne and simon and her solo version is good where she does both but the one that i love so much is a duet with tiktok user nick underscore t underscore daily His voice is crazy. And the riffs that they do in this song are not allowed. Like, I don't (laughs) even understand how they do these riffs. And I know that you've been watching them, too, because I see on our likes the different people. (laughs) And I'm like, I didn't like that one. So obviously you did. Um, Henry Platt has done a version of this. There are so many versions of this song. This TikTok musical has, like, kind of gone viral. It's insane. But I also love what the internet has given us and then more people are like interested in musical theater because of these things so i love the the idea of collaboration on tiktok like the people are not writing these songs for money or like huge fame or anything they are writing it because they have something they want to share and they're inspired by something and then what they create inspires other people to add to it and build on it and i think that is like the joy of tiktok Mm -hmm. and the joy of things like this is the community collaboration it is not it is art just for fun for art's sake and not for any other kind of gain and that's what i love about it and it's also It was done in the right moment, right? Like, Bridgerton is having a huge, viral, trendy moment. It is... It was streamed however million times on Netflix. Like, 63 million times, they said. Like, the number one show And to to capture something that is so trendy at the right moment is what TikTok is made for, obviously. Mm -hmm. But for it to take off and for Netflix to take notice of it, because they have posted about it as well, is so exciting for this creator. So it's really great. Like, go through and scroll through all of her videos and listen to all of the songs. The Penelope song is really good. Carrie Hope Fletcher did a take on it, which was awesome. So cute. I just love that, like, the Broadway TikTok community has grabbed on to another viral moment and i love this song and now you're forced to love a man you hate simon i know you don't feel the same but i burn you burn for me i burn i burn i burn i burn, I burn. I burn. I burn. 
were to quickly cast Daphne and Simon. Oh my god, this I'm not prepared. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. So I just like based off of this "Burn for You" song um, that I've listened to a million times now. My Daphne and Simon would be Erica Henningsen and Austin Scott. Oh my god, Austin Scott is actually like, the perfect casting. Okay, I, I can't top that. Erica's good too. Okay, let's see if I can come up with like someone different for Daphne. I actually don't think that there's anybody else that could play Simon except for Austin Scott. No, no, he's perfect. He's perfect. Because I was like, I was like trying to picture because like Simon's so tall, tall and like handsome, but like serious and intense, but also like fun. Simon, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, a good Daphne. It's wow, hard. I wow. think she's hard. It is hard. It is hard because you want someone like innocent and sweet. And I think you kind of want like a higher voice. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think you might have nailed it with Erica and Austin. I think just watching back Erica's like sings her Broadway bucket list and her singing Meadowlark and how she is Mm -hmm. so good at easily and effortlessly mixing her belt and her uh, head voice. I was like, oh, this is the girl. Like we need her for this. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I'm Great ready choice. to Dreamcast a Bridgerton musical whenever. <laughs> the the storylines would be so interesting, but I just think, like, we are kind of missing that old-school era musical theater show, and not like that a this period would ever costume. happen in real life, but it would be cool. It would be really fun. I agree. Julie Andrews can reprise her own role. <laughs> you know what she'll do? She'll, like, pre-record the whistle-down stuff. So she she's credited, but she's never there. Yes, it would be amazing. Um, Yeah, so that's our obsessions of the week and also our episode on The Greatest Showman. If you, as I said, have any thoughts on The Greatest Showman or your favorite songs, who you want to be in this Dreamcast musical, let us know. And you can let us know by following us on Instagram or Twitter at Podcast. And you can listen to us anywhere podcasts are found. Um, And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We'd love it if you subscribed there, left us a comment, or if you went on iTunes and left us a rating and a review. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.